the police are powerless. The law is corrupt. And the courts turn them loose. There is only one alternative. It's time to take a stand, and you must wage a war to eliminate the problem. Yourself. Vigilante. This hacktivism goes on and on and on. I'm Torin Atkinson. Get enough farmers together, and you Mitchell can chase out a drug cartel. I'm Kevin Leeson. Make sure you're actually a crime-fighting badass before you buy that costume. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda. Vigilante. Ooh, we're talking about uh, people in South America, obviously, because you put on that accent. Yep. Uh, literally means watchman from Latin vigilantum, watchful, anxious, careful, from vigil or yeah. vigil. Vigilant, yeah. Yeah. As mentioned on Bad Laws, I think, dykophobia or possibly dickophobia. Mm-hmm. It's a fear of justice. Because vigilantes are all dicks. Yeah, mm-hmm. true, true story. A vigilante is a civilian or an organization that undertakes the uh, law enforcement or actions in the pursuit of self-perceived justice. Aha! Uh-huh. That is, without legal authority. Yeah. yeah. Frontier justice, also called vigilante justice or street justice, is extrajudicial punishment that is motivated by the non-existence of law and order or dissatisfaction with justice. Right. Or like just ignoring whatever sort of justice system there is. Yeah, it's dissatisfaction. Doing what you want and claiming it was justice. Oh, yeah. Lynchings and gunfighting are considered forms of frontier justice. Mm-hmm. For example, in the late 1800s, a group of self-appointed lawmen called Stranglers... Wow. What? Lynched around 60 horse and cattle rustlers in North Dakota. That's weird. Mm. Being self-appointed lawmen and then naming yourself after the way that you're killing them... Like that's which, truth in advertising. What that is, Joe? Like yeah. we're like our police are the shooters or the batoners, the yeah. clubbers. Yeah, uh, my peeps would be the, the masturbators. The masturbators. <laughs> that's how you kill people. Yep. <laughs> you, you jerk them off until they're completely dry and that's desiccated. Right. That's correct. So they're, they're mummies. <laughs> what a way to go. Uh, I'm thinking that lynchings will be its own episode. Ah, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. we will have a separate episode for revenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've taken most of the revenge vigilantism, right? Uh, especially pop culture, out of the equation for this yeah. episode. The Vigilees, or more properly, the Vigilees Urbani, Watchmen of the City, or mm. Cohortes Vigilum, Ooh. Cohorts of the Watchmen, mm. cohorts. were the firefighters and police of ancient Rome. Mm-hmm. The Triumviri Nocturni, meaning three judges of the night, were the first men, being privately owned slaves, organized into a group that combated the common problems of fire and conflagrations, which is a different word for fire. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay? In Rome. Uh-huh. Now, you have to have... At least two people to have cohorts, right? I would yeah, think so, I would yes, say, co. Because if, yeah. if I'm, if it's just one of us, you're just a hort. Yep. Yeah, yes. that's right. So I'm a hort and you're a hort, but together we're cohorts. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay. Uh, cohort, here's a who. <laughs> that's right. I yeah. was thinking that when you're a hort, all you can do is write on the ground, no kill I. 
Mm. Oh, that's the Horta. That's the co- and if you have more than their, than their cohortas. That's right. Mm. That's all the babies they wanted. The, the, the Horta wanted those eggs to hatch into cohortas. Yeah. I like the places that serve Horta subs. These jokes are hoarding me. <laughs> the Vigilies also acted as a night watch, keeping an eye out for burglars and hunting down runaway slaves. Oh, there you go. And were on occasion used to maintain order in the streets. Right. Mm-hmm. So stop fire, hey slaves, and I guess we'll maintain order. Mm-hmm. The Vigilies appeared to have lost their status as an independent unit and came under the authority of the Praetorian prefects sometime in the Ooh. early 3rd century. Okay. The Praetors. <laughs> the movie Praetor with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's right. That, that one, the bootleg copy that had a misspelling on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the place on the internet where Christians secretly got together and encrypted all their communications so they could pray. Oh, oh. or. Praetor. Or it's like matter and antimatter, the prey and the Torah. People Actually, pray with the Torah. Yeah, I guess that's Okay. Right. It's a Jewish thing. All right. That's why you don't get it, Torin. Oh, wait. The Pray Torin. Oh, uh, Pray Torin. Mm-hmm. Pray that Torin never comes to your <laughs> yeah, house. To, to, no, to put out your fire. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you're a Pray Torin prefect, it's actually supposed to be perfect, but it's Torin, so yeah. it's spelled prefect. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you yeah. go. The bootleg copy with the misspelling <laughs> on the cover. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Sombra Negra. Sombra Negra. Yep. All these sound like foreign languages. Well, it's, it's funny that they all just sound like foreign languages, but it, you must be putting on a funny accent, right? Well, El Salvador uh-huh. has a long and troubled history of death squads. Oh. During the Civil War era from 1979 to 1992, the country developed a notorious reputation for extrajudicial killings, mm-hmm. disappearances, and paramilitary death squads, which killed an estimated 8,000 people. Wow. Maybe it was just like a PR thing. Like if they'd called themselves life squads, they wouldn't have such oh, a bad yeah. reputation anymore. <laughs> That'd be more like what American <laughs> politicians they go yeah, wandering around El Salvador bringing people back from the dead. De- yeah, just like strapping corpses to Actually, sticks and like puppeteering them. <laughs> there's already an organization like that. It's called Doctors Without Borders. Following the end of the Civil War, a new generation of death squads emerged. The most famous of which, La Sombra Negra. So it's like the, it's the Sombra Negra is like the Pepsi of death squads. Yeah, yeah, it's the new the choice, choice of a the new, new generation. generation. Yeah. They targeted gangs as well as politicians, human rights defenders, and judicial officials. Oh, that's kind that's, of a, that's getting getting extrajudicial on the judiciary. Yeah, it's kind of weird to have human rights defenders in there. Like, okay, gangs, sure. I mean, there's probably some good and bad in gangs, but generally you're gonna you're going after gangs because they're bad politicians. Totally get it. There mm. could be corrupt politicians, judicial officials. All right, some unjust officials, human rights defenders. <laughs> Let's get those fuckers. Well, because they're probably against extrajudicial justice. Yeah. Right. Okay. Look, we don't want to kill you. It's just you don't want us to kill people. So we have to kill you first. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Many Sombranega and or death squads that are caught are incarcerated in separate prisons for their own safety. Right. Because they've been killing a bunch of people. Yeah. Reportedly, Sombranega members of the 1980s typically blindfolded and tied the hands and or thumbs of their victims behind their backs. Uh-huh. Several hours of torture would follow, often including the removal of the genitalia, hands, tongue, rectum, and teeth. Removal of the rectum. <laughs> How do you... I don't want to know. I don't it's don't like know. where the donut holes come I, from. I, I oh, wait, I know donut holes. Later, the victims received bullets to the back of their heads from assault rifles at close range, uh-huh. and hate messages are written on the victim's body like, El idiota sufrió una muerte lenta, uh-huh. which may mean this asshole suffered a slow death. Oh, and then they put the rectum on, like, on his chest or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Nail it to his forehead. Yeah. And other insults are gang-related slang. Autopsies performed on deceased gang members found traces of trace amounts of semen suggesting sexual torture. Well, there you go. 
The Sombra Negra operatives would conceal their face and body with bandanas, anthropomorphic costumes. They're furries? Yeah. They're furries on top of all of it? Yep. All right. And use unlicensed vehicles with darkened windows when they carried out their missions in order to avoid full detection. They're like death bronies. Death bronies. Sombra Negra (laughs) stated that it killed people because the group believed that the police could not enforce the laws of El Salvador. Like, don't. Kill, kill and torture people yeah cut mm-hmm. their yeah i, I mean th- th- that part is probably true yeah because it seems like they're not enforcing these laws mm. while samba negra uh was principally active in the 1990s it has resurfaced periodically over the last decade within the last month alone salvadorian uh media have reported on samba negra graffiti appearing and the opening of a samba negra anti-gang facebook account like in fashion Everything that's cool at one point <laughs> yep. comes back again, right? right? So it's cyclical. I mean, if you were popular in the 90s, to be popular again in 2015, it's kind of the right time. You know, you got like that half generation where people are still glorifying the good old mm-hmm. days. And so, you know, but you got this, these, uh, these up-and-coming youth who uh, didn't have to live through an era of death squads. Reports of other death squads have also emerged throughout the year, with residents describing murders of gang members by paramilitary groups composed of members of the security forces and war veterans. Reports the authorities have continued to reject. Uh Hmm. El Salvador is far from the only country affected by this phenomenon. Throughout the region, violence linked to organized crime has sparked extrajudicial responses from the vigilantes that have fought off the Knights Templar in Mexico to police militias in Brazil, which are involved in social cleansing, extrajudicial killings, and criminal activities. The Knights Templar and the, what was the other organization? A, just uh, police militias. Uh, the Knights Templar is a curious uh, moniker to choose. What would they, you know, I mean, they were like holy warriors mm-hmm. right you know so you think there's like a holy warrior component to the knights templar who can say to choose that moniker in south america that's so it far is a little weird uh knights templar was a drug cartel yep. in mexico still is ah, oh see. still is yeah this is uh from earlier in this year this news article oh, okay that's even weirder so so i guess the drug cartel said let's name ourselves knights templar yeah and then vigilantes probably went, somebody was a fan let's get those guys mm-hmm. yeah Jonathan Edema was a former Green Beret with a controversial history. Mm-hmm. In September 2004, he was found guilty of running a private prison in Afghanistan and torturing Afghan citizens. Oh, I was about to ask if it, if it was controversial whether he had a history, like he was kind of a Jason Bourne character, <laughs> oh, what the controversy was. You right? just showed up out of nowhere. Yeah, that's right. I don't believe you. At the time, Edema had been portraying himself as a U.S. government-sponsored special forces operative on a mission to apprehend terrorists. However, the U.S. government has repeatedly denied most of such claims. Mm. Most? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, isn't an edema like, uh, that's like a, uh, you know, something on your skin, right? Oh, yeah. This is, this is well, this is edema. I-D-E-M-A. Oh, okay. I'm hoping so I'm pronouncing same. it right. Because, like, if an edema is like a boil or a rash, then it kind of mm. actually might be appropriate for this Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. Mr. Edema and two other Americans were tried by the Afghan government on charges of hostage taking, operating a private jail, entering the country illegally, and illegal mm. weapons possessions. Mm. Yeah. Now, operating a private jail, you can be charged with that. Sure. That's cool. We should have that law in North America. <laughs> kind of like kidnapping, right? Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. I put bars on my bedroom window and then I threw people in it. It's a private jail. You're not allowed in there unless I put you there. American military officials at the main American military base at Bagram said Edema handed over an Afghan man to them and they took the man into custody because Mr. Edema identified the man as a terrorist wanted by American forces. Right. But interrogators determined that the Afghan was not the suspected terrorist Mr. Edema claimed him to be and freed the man. Oh, okay. 
Two months later, Afghan police raided the house Mr. Adima rented in Kabul and found eight Afghan men being held prisoner. Three of the men have said in court that they were held for days and given little food. They said they were kicked and beaten, had scalding water poured on them, and had their heads repeatedly dunked in a bucket of water. Uh At one point, two of them lost consciousness. Oh, they just fell asleep. Because they've never so long. So this guy probably just <laughs> likes to like take people, lock them up, and dunk their heads in water. And he just went to like one of the most war torn areas, maybe so he could like do it, maybe, and, and just claim that, oh, I'm here, I'm fighting the war on terror. That's right. Or could just be he's a terrible racist who saw a, a cover for being able to torture some people who were different from him. Yeah, yeah, like, that's kind of what I was suggesting. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Adima has said his group thwarted assassination plots against Afghan leaders. Uh-huh. Two mm-hmm. other Americans, Brent Bennett and Edward Caraballo, a television journalist, were arrested with Mr. Adima. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Embassy has maintained that Mr. Adima, who was on active duty for three years in the 1970s, uh-huh. has no connection to the American government. Mr. Adima is well known among journalists in Afghanistan. After he arrived in 2001, he offered his services as a security expert and produced videos of training camps of al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. He also displayed an erratic side, at one point waving his gun and threatening to kill workers at a hotel because mm. there were no vacancies. Yeah, he just wanted to kill. He, I'll kill some people in this room, and then the room will be vacant, right? Yeah. And then yeah. I can use that room? Yeah, because well, he's, <laughs> he's aiming the gun at the wrong person. He doesn't need to kill employees. He needs yeah. to kill a guest. Have a guest. Yeah. yeah, so that the room becomes available. Although, you know, it might, it might take housekeeping a few hours to get to it. That's true. Edema yeah. was sentenced to 10 years in prison, but was released early by Afghanistan's president. Mm. He died of AIDS-related complications in Mexico in 2012. Well, this guy, this guy was quite the character. I, yeah, let's go to a place with not a lot of government, where a lot of my com- country's military guys are actually capturing people, and nope, everybody would believe me. I wonder if this would make a good movie, right? Like, oh, if this guy's yes. life would make a good movie, and you'd do it like uh, in the style of Clo- George Clooney's Syriana. No, 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 no. You mean the style of the one about Chuck Barris, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind? Right. So, like, the question is kind of open whether or not this guy is an operative or if he just thinks he's an operative like you kind of like draw some gray areas so then you know at the end of the show you're just not 100 percent sure either I, way george clooney is involved i, I think either, uh, absolutely george the, clooney plays the guy at the end of the show you need a falling down reveal mm-hmm. wait wait i'm the bad guy because yeah. this is nonsense yeah, yeah. well i want to talk about uh, one of my personal heroes oh no definitely <laughs> not Definitely that's, that's, not. That's sarcasm. Uh, Bernard Getz. Hey, whatever. What Bernard wants, Bernard, Bernard gets. <laughs> the subway vigilante drew a lot of comparisons to Bronson's character in Death Wish oh. after he mm. shot four teenagers in 1984 when they tried to rob him on a New York subway train in Manhattan just before Christmas. He fired five shots, seriously wounding all four men. Nine days later, he surrendered to police and was eventually charged with attempted murder, assault, reckless endangerment, and several firearms offenses. A jury found him not guilty of mm. all charges mm. except for one count of carrying an unlicensed firearm right. for which he served eight months of a one-year sentence. Oh. In 1996, one of the shot men who'd been left paraplegic and brain damaged as a result of his injuries obtained a civil judgment of $43 million against Getz. Huh. The incident sparked a nationwide debate on race and crime in major cities, right. the legal limits of self-defense, and the extent to which the citizenry could rely on the police to secure their safety. Right. Although Getz dubbed the subway vigilante by New York City's press came to symbolize New Yorkers' frustrations with high crime rates of the 80s. Yeah. He was both praised on one hand and vilified on the other in media and public opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. 
The incident has also been cited as a contributing factor to the groundswell movement against urban crime and disorder and the successful National Rifle Association campaigns to loosen restrictions on concealed carrying of firearms. That's right. We need more vigilantes. Well, we need more firearms in the hands of people <laughs> who are potential vigilantes. Yeah. Whether they pull the trigger or not, you know, yet to be determined. But, you know, we want an army of almost vigilantes. If only we could have opt-in weapons. Right, well, what like does that mean? A, a gun that will only harm other people who think that they should be carrying guns. Oh, so like, oh. so like, I can be like, look, you guys think guns are going to solve your problems? You can have them because yours won't hurt me at all. It's fine. Right. Like we need magic fucking guns. So all okay. these people who think we'll just solve it by threatening people, right, with our guns and uh-huh. shooting them, and then they can all murder each other, and eventually they'll all die, uh, well. and the rest of us can live. Now all you need to do is create the magic spell that makes that happen. I know. Yeah, magic. That'll solve it. Magic will solve all of my problems. (laughs) If David Copperfield is talking about You're talking about Magic the Gathering, right? Oh, (laughs) that's right. Hey, give us your money. Wouldn't you rather have this Mox Emerald? (laughs) Who was that magician? (laughs) Who was that magician who had like the big uh, droopy mustache and he wore like rainbow (laughs) t-shirts? I don't know. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He had a magic. Oh, Doug Doug Henning. Doug Doug Henning. He will solve all your problems. I was about to say. I mean, is he still alive? I could use a lot more Doug Henning in my life. Uh, Last time I heard, he was doing uh, yogic flying and running for Parliament or something. Well, he did that like 25 years ago. Yeah. Well, that's last I heard. Yeah. Uh, No, he died in February of 2000. There you go. Wow. Died a long time ago. Of uh, he died of being 52. He died of being awesome. That may also be true. Maybe he's just being strapped in too many like dayglow rainbow things, and he like you know got cancer from all the radioactive material. <laughs> he died of liver cancer, for the record. Yeah, ha I'm halfway there. This next information comes from Time. dot com. In 1973, uh-huh. four San Francisco teenagers tooling around in their car looking for a little fun mm-hmm. spotted two homosexuals leaving the Naked Grape, a well-known gay bar. Okay. The youths, grape. the youths jumped out of their car and began to push the homosexuals around. Suddenly, a brawny band, led by a man in a clerical collar, okay. leaped from a gray Volkswagen bus and began beating the youths with pool cues. Oh, pool cues, wait, multiple. Hold on a sec. Yep. So let me let me let me parse this out here. Okay, we have a group of uh, homosexual revelers mm-hmm. exiting a well-known gay bar. Yep. Yep. And a car of Utes pulls up, yep. and they come out and start gay bashing, yep. mm-hmm. and then a van mm-hmm. of bashing bus. gay bashers, gay bash bashers, gay bashing, ba- gay basher bashers, the mm-hmm. gay basher bashers gets out and starts beating though the gay bashers with pool cues. Yep. Oh, this is interesting. This the- is like this is like a uh, you know Neapolitan ice cream of oh, of yeah. vigilantism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The group was the Lavender Panthers, wow. a team what? of gay vig- vigilantes uh-huh. who patrolled the streets nightly with chains, billy clubs, whistles, and cans of red spray paint since uh, it was illegal to use mace. That okay. You just, instead of spraying mace, you spray red spray paint that in their would, face. That seems like it would be effective. Yeah. I, uh-huh. I agree, yeah. And wait, chains and billy clubs are legal, though? I mean, I guess it's legal to have a chain or yeah. a billy club, but then not to use it on somebody. Right. Well, yeah. Panthers were founded by a man named Reverend Ray, who finally got fed up on the 4th of July after he had complained to police that some uh, young toughs were setting off fireworks in a parking lot outside his Helping Hands Gay Community Service Center. Mm-hmm. According to Ray, when the cops arrived, all they did was tell the Utes that he had ratted on them. Right. There you go. The Tufts proceeded to beat him senseless. Oh, okay. Two, two days later, Ray announced that the Lavender Panthers were coming out. 
of the closet. I'm coming out dun, 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 to beat your head in there. The gang numbered 21 homosexuals, including two lesbians. Besides their goal of halting youth attacks on gays, the G- Lavender Pathers went to gainsay the popular notion that all homosexuals are sissies, cowards, and pansies who will do nothing when attacked. I would like to see a Lavender Panther in the wild. Mm. Right? Mm. You know, like if there was a mutation, like an albino panther, right? Oh, yeah. But it was a lavender panther mutation. When it I wouldn't heard... last, though, because they wouldn't, you know, go into the foliage all that well. <laughs> they, they could, could hide have... in the lavender. That's right. Oh, yeah. There I don't you know go. where lavender comes from. Where well, lavender feels, but it feels it. <laughs> when I hear lavender panther, I think of a gender neutral sexy cologne lavender for men panther. or women. <sighs> all of the panthers knew judo, karate, kung fu, or plain old alley fighting. Just where you throw dirt in people's eye. <laughs> yeah. Or needles, or whatever you yeah, got around. Yeah, yeah. Old uh, newspapers. Yeah. For gays without defensive skills, the Panthers held training sessions with instruction from a judo brown belt and a karate expert. Okay. Although, they should have been a lavender belt. Ah, yeah, they should have their own belt. Yeah, yeah. Although Ray has a working arrangement, or had a working re- arrangement with the police community relations officer uh, who dealt with homosexuals not to carry firearms on his patrols, he did keep a shotgun in his office. Right. After calls from local businesses, the Lavender Panthers stopped their patrols after a year. But it's a year of fabulous terrorizing. It wasn't it, though. Wasn't yeah. it just? This is a rough one, though, because this is one where the police really are not doing their jobs. And right. these are not people just going out, finding people they think are bad, and then right. murdering them. They're just finding they're like people protecting. who are attacking and then stopping them by attacking them. And they're not killing. Right. Uh, this is this is. They're not like doing citizens' arrest, though. They're just beating the fuck out of them. Yeah, to people who are beating the fuck out of people like them. Sure. I guess it's that old thing. It's like, is that a deterrent, or would they just come back even stronger? They'll get more right. yeah. ho- uh, homophobes and yeah, come like, back another time and yeah. like lay in wait for the lavender panthers. Yeah, that old thing. Panthers again. usually lay in wait, but you <laughs> don't know. You don't know how much a homophobe can lay in wait. <laughs> yeah. I really don't know how long a homophobe can lay in wait. Anybody got a theory? As long as a non-homophobe, probably. Here's the thing: when they lay in wait, they probably lay on their backs, though, so they're not so, so as to keep their buttholes covered. Yeah, then right? hands over their their junk. junk, right? So they're not they're not paying. They're, they can lay in wait a long time. Yeah, but they're not paying close attention. Yeah, like a panther in a tree. Would. The, something else on their mind. The, mm-hmm. they, <laughs> not getting penetrated. They'd get hungry faster because they're spending so much energy quivering in fear. Yep, not queefing in fear. <laughs> Some of them might. Robert Bell and Gary Lamar Sellers. This is from 2007. Everybody in the little mountain community of Helenwood, Tennessee, All right. knew that Timothy Carl Chandler had been arrested on child pornography charges. Okay. It was in the newspaper and all over the TV news. Okay. Two of Chandler's neighbors decided to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Bell and Sellers set fire to his tiny house tucked away in a hard scrabble Appalachian hollow. That, that's some colorful writing there. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's a fan of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> Chandler, 53, escaped from the flames. Okay. Sellers and Bell told police they did not intend anyone to die. They just wanted to get Timothy Chandler out of the neighborhood because he was a pervert, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. They were arrested on charges related to arson and second degree murder due to the fact that the man's wife did not escape the blaze and was killed. Don't. Got it. Got it. So they would have been better off not lighting the home on fire, just yeah. lighting the person on fire. If that's what they, well, they just wanted to scare him, though. Mm, so, they so they say. say. <laughs> so they say. Uh-huh. But he was arrested, right? It said he he. He was arrested on child pornography charges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they didn't want him in his neighborhood. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, you know what you do? You like leave a bag of flaming dog poop, mm. right? You know that sends a message. 
and very little chance of maybe that's dying how it started as a result. Maybe that's how it started. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Flaming dog poop and then just spread. <laughs> what do you do? You like shower them in uh, whatever pornography does it for you. And you're like, how, oh. how do you like it? Here's some adult pornography. That's right. Not happy Not now, child. are you? Yeah, that's right. That'll terrible. You know, <laughs> get them moving along. What, what, what do you think? Uh, let me let me throw it out to the crowd. What's the uh, the most effective nonviolent way to get somebody out of your neighborhood? Oh, ask them politely. You think that's effective to get somebody to move? <laughs> just keep just just keep asking them politely. Just you, never leave. I don't think you know the meaning of the word effective. Please leave. Won't you please leave? Uh-huh. Are you, are you, have you left now? Are you leaving? <laughs> Can oh, I like help over you leave? and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like every day, just, yeah, just be walk there. by behind them constantly at work. And so you're moving out, right? You're moving out. You're moving out. Yeah. Uh, are you moving out? There's another neighborhood that likes you better. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Just facilitate the entire. Oh, you know what you do? You walk we, behind. We bought them. you a house. I on the other side of the country. <laughs> I don't verbally announce my displeasure, but whenever he leaves his house, I walk right behind him and I kick his heels. <laughs> there you go. You know, you know how annoying that is. That's that maddening. Is very annoying. How about just yeah. setting up huge signs on the lawns of all the houses around it that say uh, "child porn addict" and pointing big arrows at his house? Uh-huh. That would make you move, right? Who here has heard of the fierce Missouri bald knobbers? The fierce Missouri bald knobbers. No, it sounds like a circle jerk club. Yeah, yeah, but you have to shave your balls in order to join. Yeah, oh right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Shave everything. I mean, that cuts down you the friction. Be, you got to be a Ken doll. Yeah, there you go. A yeah. Completely hairless. Yeah, like yeah. They're the bald knobbers, after all. From from the neck down. Yeah, what you're saying? you cannot have a stitch of hair and be in the bald knobbers. This comes from Kathy Weiser. Uh huh. After the Civil War. Southwest Missouri was a devastated area characterized by a failing economy, oh. high taxes, yep. lawlessness, Look disorder, and mm-hmm. a general breakdown of society, especially in the small towns and rural regions of the area. Right. When Nathaniel N. Kinney settled in Taney County, Missouri in 1883, he mm-hmm. found a deplorable state of affairs. Outlaws and renegades ruled, most of them holdovers from the bushwhackers and gorillas that rampaged not, – not, uh, Gorilla, animal gorillas. Right, yeah, not, not the good gorillas. Yeah. The bad, bad gorillas. gorillas. Yeah. That rampaged through Missouri during the Civil War. Uh-huh. After the war. Oh, that would have been. Of Civil War gorillas? Yeah, that would have been pretty awesome. That would have, if you smelled the little hats hell? and everything? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been pretty dope. <laughs> that rampaged through Missouri during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. After the war, the lack of even minimal law enforcement afforded outlaws free reign. Mm-hmm. Clans elected and controlled the local sheriff. Clans a, with a K? No. Oh. Clans of the Sea. All right. Elected and controlled the local sheriff whose authority it was to subpoena jury panel. Sheriff with a K? Yes. Okay. Got it. If outlaws or their relatives didn't sit on the juries, they bribed those that did. As a result, although as many as 40 murders occurred in Taney County between 1865 and 1885, not a single suspect was convicted. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That seems like a flawed system. Nat Kinney feared no man. Kinney with a K? Yes. Ah, three Ks. Standing six feet six and weighing in at more than 300 pounds. Wow. After yet another murder on September 22nd, 1883, Kinney began to consider forming a law and order league patterned mm. after other vigilante groups. A league of extraordinary gentlemen. That were popular during the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, a league of super friends? The league Ooh, of super Justice friends. League. The Justice League. When a biased jury acquitted the murderer, Kinney called together 12 of the county's leaders who met in secret, forming a committee to fight the lawlessness and elect officials who would enforce the law. Uh-huh. The group became known as the Bald Knobbers. Hmm. Why? 
Why do they choose a name like the Bald Knobbers? I the only thing I can think of that makes any sense is that they call themselves the Bald Knobbers so no one would suspect that they're a bunch of badasses. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is like that song, a boy named Sue, right? The boy named Sue was the toughest kid around yeah. because he mm. had to be. Yeah. So if you call yourself bald a bald knobber, uh, everyone's gonna be laughing. So oh no, that's the other way. Is you say. You're about to be taken down by the bald knobbers. You're about to get knobbed. You're going right? to get knobbed in a bald manner, in sir. In a bald way. They start laughing yeah. so hard that they cannot resist your vigilante That's justice. Right. The group got its name from the grassy bald knob summits of the Ozark Mountains in the area. Why not call yourself the Ozarks, then? The Ozarks. <laughs> that sounds cooler than bald knobbers. They like hanging out on bald knobs. Don't we all? Mm. Don't we all? At the end of the day, they like to sit down on the top of a bald knob and just you know contemplate Life and all of its infinite mysteries. Though the bald knobbers began with good intentions, quote unquote, uh-huh. the violence displayed by the vigilante group eventually gained national attention. The orders- or they gained national attention because they called themselves the bald, the bald knobbers. Yeah, and it was like, what, what are they doing down the there? Hey, <laughs> no such thing as bad bad publicity, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was true. why they're like nobody's going to pay attention to us if we're the Ozarkians. Yeah, the Ozark. Yeah. The Justice League of the Ozarks? Smash face, face smashers. <laughs> yeah. The, the uh, Ozark Coast Justice League? Yeah, they had a big, long acronym. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, what, is, what does the O stand for again? The, the, the Committee for the Reintroduction of, of Lawfulness of, and yeah. Order to the Ozark Mountains, also known as Bald Knob. Yeah. <laughs> First chapter. Uh-huh. They should have just gone with something pithy, like Justice League. Like we know that knobbers. one works. Bald Knobbers. No, Justice League works. <laughs> we know that works. <laughs> The organization grew rapidly, and by the time they met in spring 1885, 200 people showed up at a meeting on Snaps Bald, <laughs> a hilltop south of Forsyth, Missouri. Oh, snap. Yep, Snaps Bald. Mm-hmm. Kinney, an excellent speaker, was unanimous, unanimously elected as their leader, extracting a vow of secrecy from his followers. Oh, do not talk about bald knobbers? Yeah, the first rule of bald knobbers. Kinney instructed them to recruit new members to carry out the goals of the group. Uh-huh. Within days, the bald numbers made a public display of their force when over 100 of them broke open the door of the Taney County Jail and kidnapped brothers Frank and Two-Ball Taylor. Two-Balls. Two balls. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he, 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 how many? Not right. They called me Two-Balls. You know why? Because <laughs> they got two balls. <laughs> like, does everybody else there have three balls? Yeah. Like, what is going on? <laughs> what is happening in Bald Knob? It's, it's Tubal, as in he's a tube. <laughs> the Taylor brothers were well known in the area for their viciousness and were being jailed for wounding a storekeeper during an argument over credit for a pair of boots. Uh-huh. The store owner happened to be a bald knobber. Ah. Hmm. After breaking the two out of the jail, the mob hauled the brothers south of Forsyth and hanged them. Hmm. The degree of violence appalled several of the founding members who quickly yeah. dropped out. Right. I, I didn't know we were going to lynch people. <laughs> well, like, Either we were just going to shave their heads or something. Yeah. We call ourselves the bald knobbers. <laughs> we were going to make their knobs bald. Yeah, what, yeah. Hold on. I came in for shaving pubic hairs. Is that not what we're doing? <laughs> I want to like haul people out of jail and shave pubic hairs off. But uh, lynching. There's a guy off to the side of the lynching jerking off going, guys, this is ruining my boner. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, maybe if you lynch him by the balls, maybe then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the bald knobbers continued to grow, and before long, the group had between 500 and 1,000 members. I guess lynching is more popular than we thought. Yeah. Kinney's group began for to further correct the lawlessness by making night rides to scare such lowlifes as drunks, gamblers, or loose women. 
into changing their ways. Got it. Yeah, I see that a lot in vigilante, even in like the vigilante pop culture that I was like perusing through. It yeah. a lot of the things they complain about are like, Whoa, that's not hurting anybody. What's wrong with you? They frightened wife beaters, couples living in sin, and men <laughs> yeah. who failed to support their families. Sometimes they even called on those they simply considered ornery. Oh, I'm oh. fucked. You could get lynched for being ornery. The that com- is, uh, oof. There, a lot of people are going to get their uh, knobs balded, if you know yep. what I'm saying. The community began to split into two factions. Those who followed or supported Kinney, and those who thought him a tyrant and wished him dead. But- <laughs> we're going to have to fa- found our own vigilante group to go after these vigilantes. Yeah, we're going to call yep. it the hairy asses. <laughs> the hairy knobbers. Yeah. The violence increased as the group would flog or brand suspected thieves, arsonists, and robbers. They would hang or beat a man to death for assault, disturbing the peace, or destroying property. Got it. Some bald knobbers began to use their menacing power for greedy and selfish purposes as they went after men who owed them money or who owned land that they coveted. Shocking. Somebody exploiting vigilante justice for their own personal gain. Shocking. They settled feuds over fence lines and property deeds, mm-hmm. whipped men for disrupting services in their churches, or for supporting the wrong candidate in the election. Isn't it impossible to select to support the wrong candidate? I mean, isn't every <laughs> candidate potentially the right candidate? Ask the bald knobbers. Oh, okay. Anybody who has anybody who's not bald, mm. wrong candidate. However, the harshest punishment was saved for those who talked against them. I'm so fucked. Oh, yes. Here some, it is. Some victims who resisted the bald knobbers disappeared. Several turned up in the woods beaten to death. Those who lived claimed that Kenny's followers killed more than 30 men and at least four women, but more realistic estimates placed them, uh, place the number between 15 and 18. As the bald knobbers grew in numbers and their violent acts escalated, a vehement resentment, oh. vehement resentment, mm-hmm. Uh, festered okay. among the uh, small group of men who called themselves the Anti-Bald Knobbers, uh, ABK. They are really horrible at naming things down in the Ozarks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they, come on. You can't come up better with Anti-Bald Knobber? Bald Knobber was bad enough. They would have gained a lot more support a lot quicker if they just made fun of the name Bald Knobber. Then they'd disappear be found yeah. beaten to death in the woods. Like Anti-Bald Knobber wasn't enough to do that? However, the vigilantes thwarted every effort to mitigate the situation. When a judge called for a state audit to ferret out corruption among the county's officeholders, the courthouse was burned down. They're vigilantes who ostensibly wanted justice. So when <laughs> yeah. when it was ordered to ferret out corruption, they burnt down the courthouse? because yeah, now it's them. Now they're the corrupt ones. Yeah. <sighs> the nation's newspaper published stories about the bloody war in Missouri, and the bald knobbers were described as the nation's largest and fiercest vigilante movement. In 1887, the bald knobbers killed William uh, Edens and Charlie Green, both of whom had been critical of the group and seriously injured several members of their families. Mm. Twenty bald knobbers were arrested and most received light sentences, ranging from fines to short prison terms. However, four were sentenced to death. Okay. In summer 1888, Nat Kinney was shot and killed by Billy Miles, member of the anti-bald knobbers, in a planned assassination. Oh, wow. Though Miles was tried for Kinney's murder, he was found not guilty based on self-defense. Oh. Right, because this guy was pretty well known for murdering people. Mm-hmm. Got it. Though the violence continued for a short time, by 1899, the era of the bald knobbers Wait. had run its course. Wait, hold on a second. Just 11 yeah. years. I was about to say, <laughs> what Kinney was killed in 1888. Mm-hmm. The bald knobbers were formed in 1885? 1883. 
three. Three, okay. Is when he started considering. So the ball numbers existed for five years. Well, maybe. Then their leader was killed. <laughs> yeah. And then they lasted only for a short time longer, which was over twice as long as the entire existence of the organization prior to that. 1888 to 1899. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that seems like a longer than a short time. The bald knobbers were, in actuality, no different from hundreds of other law and order groups which proliferated after the Civil War. Set up initially to prevent crime and violence, these vigilante groups became the main source of violence and crime in the towns where they were meant to. To protect. Yeah. Right. This is so, what I see in every, when we look up vigilantes, when when I watched even pro-vigilante pop culture, which we'll get to, it was like, I get why you're mad, but now you're just making bigger problems. There's a Simpsons episode about this, and the Simpsons have done an episode about everything, so it's not that surprising anymore. That's <laughs> true. That's what happens when we were on the air for, what, 25 years? Yeah. But it was a, a very entertaining comedic take on this very thing. Which one was that? Oh, I don't know. Do you want a name of it? I don't know the names of any of the episodes. One where the Homer and, and everybody formed a, like, a, you know, neighborhood watch. Just wandered around and, oh, and yeah. hit people with sticks. Two thousand fifteen, the internet. 
What? Mm-hmm. I have never heard of such a thing. What is it? It is my home, and I protect those who come here. Anonymous is a loosely associated international network of activist and <laughs> activist Sorry, entities. who are they? Anonymous. I have no, small no. a. Hacktivism is the subversive use of computers and computer networks to promote a political agenda. Mm-hmm. The group became known for a series of well-publicized publicity stunts and distributed denial of servants attacks on government, religious, and corporate websites. Denial mm. of service, not servants. Oh. <laughs> I, do like the, I do like the premise of a denial of servant. It's like the Emancipation Proclamation. That's a denial of servants attack. Anonymous originated in 2003 on the image board, image board 4chan. Mm-hmm. representing the concept of many online and offline community users simultaneously existing as an anarchic, digitized, global brain. Mm-hmm. Anonymous members known as Anons mm-hmm. can be distinguished in public by the wearing of stylized Guy Fox masks. Aha! Yeah, from V for Vendetta. Yeah. Got it. I like that movie. Mm-hmm. In its early form, the concept was adopted by a decentralized online community acting anonymously in a coordinated manner, mm-hmm. usually toward a loosely self-agreed goal and primarily focused on entertainment. Yeah, that was back when Anonymous didn't do important things. Beginning with 2008's Project Chanology, a series of protests, pranks, and hacks targeting the Church of Scientology, the Anonymous Collective became increasingly associated with collaborative hacktivism on a number of issues internationally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Later targets of Anonymous hacktivism included government agencies of the U.S., Israel, Tunisia, Uganda, and others, Mm -hmm. child pornography sites, copyright protection agencies, the Westboro Baptist Church, (laughs) and corporations such as PayPal, MasterCard, Visa, and Sony. I I remember seeing a live interview with uh, an Anon member and Mm. uh, one of the heads of the Westboro Baptist Church, where Anon had said, stop doing this or we're going to hack you. And they were like, you can't hack our computer. You can't hack our web server. And the guy was like, "Ah." and within five minutes, like while the thing was going on, they had hacked the web server and changed what it said. Right. Because he was like, no, we can do it whenever we want. We're trying to get you to, okay, hack it and attacked. Just stop being jerks. Yeah. Related groups, LulzSec and Operation Anti-Sec. Mm-hmm. Okay. Carried what out. does sex stand for? Uh, I don't know. Seconds? Se- security. Oh. oh. And lulz is basically the plural of lol. Mm-hmm. So laugh out loud. Lulz, for the lulz means for like jokes and laughs. Because it's giggles. fun. Shits for and giggles. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Carried out cyber attacks on U.S. government agencies, mm-hmm. media, video game companies, military contractors, military personnel, and police officers, resulting in the attention of law enforcement. Right. For some reason. Uh-huh. Some actions by the group have been described as being anti-Zionist. It was it has threatened to erase Israel from the internet and engaged in the hashtag Op Israel cyber attacks of Israeli websites in 2013. Okay. Yeah. Dozens of people have been arrested for involvement in anonymous cyber attacks in countries including the US, UK, Australia, Netherlands, Spain, and Turkey. All right. Evaluations of the group's actions actions and effectiveness vary widely. Because the group varies widely? Like, yeah. all it takes to be anonymous is to say that you're anonymous. Right. Uh, and if you're totally not, maybe the people who are regularly that might find you and get you for it. Because well, generally, thing. you can just get together and do If it. you say you're anonymous, but then they find out who you are, then you probably aren't very good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Once I read a book by anonymous. What did it say? I love their poetry. Supporters have called the group Freedom Fighters and digital Robin Hoods, while critics have described them as a cyber lynch mob of right. cyber terrorists. Right. In 2012, Still, time... you know what? Honestly, if I'm going to get lynched, I would prefer a cyber lynching. Cyber lynching? Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, if I have a choice, 
between lynchings. Like if two lynch mobs are coming at me, <laughs> right? right? One's yeah. made of pixels. Yeah, yeah. You, one, you can run away from one and toward the other. Yeah, one is a guy like waving an Android phone in my face. I'm totally going to hack your shit, right? If you don't stop doing what I don't like uh-huh. about you. And the other is a ravening mob of uh, led by a six foot six, 300 pound bloodthirsty tyrant. I mean, it, 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 it in that choose your own adventure mm-hmm. I'd take the same one every time okay mm-hmm. you you have no fear of people finding out your porn search history is that what you're saying yeah 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 you, if I get like outed on Ashley Madison versus strung up in a tree yeah. <laughs> the guy not yeah. in a in a not married on Ashley Madison people may learn that I was a dirtbag but I will not be dead yep. yeah fair mm-hmm. enough so now November 2015. Mm-hmm. The Hacking Collective Anonymous has begun its promised leak of the identities of members of the Ku Klux Klan with a data dump of the names of more than 350 alleged members, along with links to social media accounts. Right. Many of the identities are already in the public domain. Right. Mm-hmm. Only one of the names listed in the file on the anonymous sharing site, Pastebin, had a phone number attached. Fewer than five had email addresses. A whole bunch had their Facebook URLs, though. Mm-hmm. You could go look at the Facebook URLs of all these KKK members. Many in the release are already in the public eye, at least on social media. The Twitter biography of James Pratt reads, A veteran, a daddy, a Klansman of the traditional American Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. Frank Ancona, whose name was included in the release as an imperial wizard of mm. the KKK's traditionalist American Knights, right. has made TV appearances as a representative of the group. Former leader David Duke is listed in the release. So is Don Black, the founder of the white supremacist site Stormfront. Right. Got it. The pastebin file contains some hints regarding FBI infiltration of the Klan. The list itself was headed with the phrase, pro tip, the KKK are heavily infiltrated by the FBI. Mm -hmm. On the list, three names were listed alleging that they were FBI informants. One of them was revealed as an informant in a case about the construction of a radioactive ray gun to target Muslims. I missed that one. Wow. A spokesperson for the FBI said, we are aware of these reports. And while we will not comment on specific allegations, we want to emphasize that those who engage in hacktivism are breaking the law. I got a question about radioactive ray gun to target Muslims. (laughs) I have more than one question, but I don't even know where to start. (laughs) I got a whole bunch. But like, what's the matter with regular guns? Are Muslims now immune to bullets? Is that what they think? Or or is this they want it to be an invisible? Oh, maybe maybe they want to shoot cancer into them secretly. That's probably what it is. Oh, Oh, that's terrible. I think it's got something to do with if you go to heaven from a radioactive death, you only get like 69 virgins instead of 72. That's cancer of the balls. We can't give you the full 72. That's right. The FBI will continue to work with our public and private sector partners to identify and hold those accountable who engage in illegal activities in cyberspace. Anonymous's war with the KKK began during protests that followed the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri last year when a subgroup of the KKK disseminated leaflets threatening lethal force against protesters. Right. The anonymous operation is now known as Operation KKK or alternatively Operation Hoods Off. In a press release, the hacktivists announced the new operation. I've edited some of this down, so it's shorter. We are not attacking you because of what you believe in as we fight for freedom of speech. We are attacking you because of what you do to our brothers and sisters. Due to your actions, we will be rearranging Operation KKK. We've gained access to another one of your KKK Twitter accounts. We will be revealing about 1,000 of your clan member identities. The aim of our operation is nothing more than cyber warfare. You messed with our family, and now we will mess with yours. 
We are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Right. Although Anonymous never puts any emphasis on those words. <clears throat> they love to read it out like it's a computer reading it out. Oh, we are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. This is rough, right? Again, it's cyber vigilanteism. Nobody's mm-hmm. actually being strung up. And they're just going, although, yo, you want to keep this terrible thing a secret, we're going to make it not a secret. Although I'm not I'm not big on outing FBI agents that yeah. are embedded with the Klu Klux Klan. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. That seems uh, like somebody could get hurt right. as mm-hmm. a result of that. And if you know that they're FBI agents, then they're you know that they're probably not doing all the horrible Klan things. Yeah. So you should probably just leave them embedded with them so that they... Law enforcement can gather more information yeah. about them. This is a problem I have with stuff like this. When you hear about it, you go, "Oh, on the surface, that seems awesome." Right? And when you get because like, these people deserve it. Yeah. Well, there you it's go. Easy to th- they deserve that, yeah. to have their Twitter accounts hacked. They're bad people. I can kind of get behind, you know, making public people's private conversations about racism and violence against other races and all right. the rest of that jazz. I'm kind of like, okay, you know, you shine a light. Uh, on you yeah. know these sorts of things, and y- again, you're not you know p- actually physically injuring somebody, but you are potentially ruining their life as a result of things that they are doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, it one doesn't way or the other the the release doesn't have like a lot of actual evidence of how they know each person is a member of the clan. Right. It's just kind of a list, uh, and so they could have very easily just added names to there that yeah. they thought might have been. And in, and in fact, a week before that got released. Somebody else claiming to be yeah. anonymous released a big a list of names. of names, and it was nonsense. It was not at all KKK members. There were actually uh, like racial justice uh, activists and stuff on there. So right. So okay. So Lol. then then you get you get outed accidentally as a KKK member, yeah. and all this is just so. There's a lot of pitfalls, but probably the biggest stumbling block I'm having is outing the FBI agents that are embedded with the KKK, because have- what what purpose? Does that serve? Yeah, that's a yeah. good question. And I just have a problem with lack of due process. Yes, right. Just generally speaking. So you're you're against so you're not pro vigilante. You can say that. Oh, I am pro Batman costume. Got yeah, Batman costume, <laughs> but not beating up homeless people. Got it. <laughs> yeah, got it. For I know. Information. Like as a fucking billionaire with multiple companies, just hire more poor people and pay them a decent wage. <laughs> yeah. What is wrong with you? What is? Oh, Batman. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. Uh, we need to have a new Batman who uses. I I, I appreciate that Batman is nonviolent or non lethal. Right, that's yeah. a good thing about uh-huh. him. But he's still really just beating up poor a people. kinder, gentler Batman. You know, Batman, you get more flies with, with honey, honey than with vinegar. Than with fisticuffs? Than with poo. No, oh, you no, probably don't no, get no, more no, poo. No. Yeah. Than with batarangs. Oh, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the expression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one's, this is, uh, again, this is a total gray area, right? Like, we're, yeah, you shouldn't be a vigilante, but these are bad people, and you're not actually lynching them. You're just shining a light. But some of them might not be bad people. Yeah, but exactly. You're calling them yeah, bad that, people. That's the problem. And it's, some of them might actually be good people, and then you're yeah. letting the bad people know who they right. are. And then it just comes down to mob justice. So, the, oh, the vigilante is, this vigilante group is just telling other, other vigilantes, vigilantes who to beat violent up. Violent vigilantes yeah. who the people are. Yeah. And then yeah. you get things like, you know, people being mistakenly killed. The Ashley Madison leak was kind of a vigilante thing as well because uh, they were trying to reveal people cheating, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The thing is, they might not be cheating. 
Mm-hmm. Right. This is a thing that, that, that people forget about. But somebody might be in an open relationship and Ashley Madison was the site that was right. good for them to find other yeah. people like that. A lot of people might have joined just because it was sexy to do and maybe their partner knew it and they had hot chat or something. Right. Or you, maybe no they idea. joined it when they were single, but now they're in a relationship. Yeah. But yeah. it might taint that relationship yeah, yeah. because There's all sorts of reasons people would have joined that that are totally kosher, not cheating on anybody. And you don't know because it's just a big dump of stuff. Yeah. So, Yeah. That kind of thing, bad. I'm hoping Anonymous did their research, but I don't know what their evidence is. Nobody can right? know. And we can't know, and that's the problem. Well, if they gave us more information on how they know. Like, we know that this guy is because... Da, 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 da. That would be good. Well, it's not Anonymous. It's more Anonymous you. 2013, Bristol, UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to Dave E. for this one. Bristol, ugh. Bijan Ebrahimi was a 44-year-old disabled man who lived alone and took great pride in his garden. Mm-hmm. When local youth started destroying them... Ebrahimi took photos of the youths to hand out to police and counsel as evidence of the vandalism. Got it. Right. So, so kids came in, were destroying his garden, right. and he was taking photos. So of the he kids took some pictures. To Got it. Take yeah. to the Snap, authorities. Snap, click, ledge, nudge, nudge, wink, wink to a, the police. To the police. Right. Sounds fine. Right. A neighbor saw him with the camera taking photos of the children and immediately jumped to the conclusion that he was a pedophile. Uh huh. As Ebrahimi was taken for questioning by the police, a group of around twenty people stood outside his house chanting, "Pedo, pedo." Uh-huh. Officers soon discovered that Ebrahimi was innocent and released him without charge. However, this did not stop the rumors. Mm-hmm. Right. Two days after his release, a neighbor, Lee James, beat Ebrahimi unconscious, stomping on his head, and along with Stephen Norley, dragged him 100 feet along the street, doused him in white spirits, and set him alight. And this is the thing, right? You shine the light, you think. Yeah. But do you know? Yeah. You don't. That's why we have laws and a judicial system and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. James was sentenced to life imprisonment for murder, whilst Norley received four years for assisting an offender. Mm -hmm. Three police officers and a community support officer will stand trial for their actions leading up to the murder, while 16 other officers will face official reprimands. Mm Mm-hmm. A short film, Murderous Injustice, telling the story of this incident, was successfully crowdfunded in June 2015. Oh, so it'll probably be going to camera in the near future. Right. Yeah, rumor and conjecture. Yeah. Vigilantes. Yeah. Again, when, when somebody says something, you just go, how do you know that? Mm-hmm. And then if they can't explain it, then, well, I don't know how much I can believe that Joe, claim. what if they don't want to know how that somebody knows it? They just want to know that it's true. <laughs> yeah. That, that is a problem. We mm. need some vigilantes rounding up those people. Oh, well. We got to go yeah. find people who believe things without evidence and shine the light on them. August 2015, Michoacan, Mexico. Mm, okay. Also known as Mexico. Okay. Over the past few years, Michoacan's Autodefensas, a rowdy band of mostly farmers, have captured the imagination of their country. Oh, yeah? When the drug cartel called the Knights Templar... They, they kidnapped their imagination and tortured it in a basement yes, until right. it gave up its compatriots? <laughs> <laughs> when the drug cartel called the Knights Templar took their land, hoping to control the lucrative market for crops such as limes and avocados. Oh, yeah, okay. The vigilantes piled into beat-up trucks, rumbled across the state's mountainous Tierra Caliente region, and used pistols, rifles, and even rakes to take back their farms. Tierra Caliente, spicy mm. earth. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I like that. Or is it hot earth? Probably. Uh, the, probably a volcano in there somewhere. The auto defenses helped restore a sense of order to the region that has suffered considerably during Mexico's brutal drug war, right. a conflict that's left an estimated 100,000 or more dead since it began in 2006. What? Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they literally had this one guy that... <laughs> 
they they paid him to bury bodies in his backyard and then you know eventually the police were tipped off and they showed up and the guy had like you know a hundred people in his backyard and i saw a photo and his backyard was like the size of the studio right. and you're like god they're gonna be stacked like cordwood down there like how the hell do they even get them all in grind them up mm-hmm. Ugh. Despite the vigilante's success against the drug gangs, and some would say because of it, mm-hmm. the government had seen enough. The utter defenses were a heavily armed force outside the army's control, and some feared they could easily morph into yet another cartel. Based on, you know, history. Yeah. Over the past year, the vigilante groups have fallen apart as the federal government persuaded some among their ranks to join the police, mm. which critics say was an effectively an attempt at a payoff. Right. Okay. Yes, it's a payoff to stop people from becoming a rampaging gang. Yeah. I think that's fair. Other auto defenses leaders were arrested on various charges, including illegal arms possession. Yep. One such arrest provoked an angry reaction from supporters who, for hours, blocked a bridge outside the local prison. The army arrived, the two sides clashed, and a 12-year-old boy was shot and killed in the melee, although it's unclear who was responsible. Right. Mm -hmm. Until four years ago, the area was controlled by La Familia Michoacana. Michoacana. Mitch something something. A ruthless drug gang known for decapitating rivals. I see. A civil war divided the cartel and its offshoot, the Knights Templar, took over after a bloody turf war in 2011. Led by its new leader, an eccentric and media-hungry kingpin named Servando Gomez Martinez, right. a.k.a. La Tuta. A.k.a. Uh, leader of the Adams family. He's the farter. Gomez. <laughs> La tuta. La tuta. Who, know, who knows what la tuta means? It's the farter. It's those, those subs that I like so much. Uh, the tor- la, la torta? Tu- la tuta subs. Yeah. Uh, it means the teacher. Hmm. Oh. He'll teach you that you don't need your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The cartel began killing, kidnapping, and extorting farmers for money on an unprecedented scale. Oh, my God. It was Walter White, the teacher. Uh, he was a chemistry teacher turned right. media-hungry drug kingpin. Locals accused the state and federal government of colluding with the gangsters or simply looking the other way. They began secretly stockpiling hunting rifles and other weapons. They organized themselves in small battalions and made plans to run the gangs out of their villages. Right. By the following January, the ranks of the vigilantes had swelled to an estimated 7,000 members. Wow. And when the auto defensas conquered Nueva Italia, a Knights Templar stronghold, most of the vigilantes went into battle with bulletproof vests and automatic weapons, which they said they had confiscated from fleeing narcos. Right. Some even covered their SUVs with steel plating, turning them into makeshift armored vehicles. That just makes sense to me. This is full-on like Mad Max territory Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. This is awesome. In January 2014... President Nieto sent 3,000 soldiers and federal police to the area and offered to incorporate the auto defensas into a newly formed rural police force. Their only demand? That the vigilantes lay down their arms. Uh, well, uh, I'm assuming they wouldn't, they wouldn't be completely unarmed as the local police force, that they would have police-issue guns at the very least. Yeah, but. well. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing it means you got to give us those, like, machine guns and automatic weapons that ah, aren't registered. I see. And, right. and you can have, have to, this pistol. You can have a pistol, Yeah. yeah. The auto defenses are to return to their places of origin and to their daily lives, Interior Secretary said. The institutions are now firmly in charge of the safety of their communities. There will be no tolerance whatsoever for anyone caught in possession of weapons without authorization. Yeah, it is. It's, it's about unregistered guns. It's Well, it's fair because like that way the bad guys are going to keep their weapons. Right. So you go, now we know you're a bad guy because you're holding on to these automatic weapons yep. and the other guy shouldn't have it. So, yeah. Those who did join the police complained of low pay, lack of equipment, and corruption. Well, you didn't get paid before. <laughs> That's true. You did it for free. <laughs> yeah. Now you're getting low pay. 
Free's almost better than 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 I, like yeah. insultingly low pay. I agree. Yeah, yeah. but when you, it's Mexico. Because then you're doing it. Then you're vigilanteing for the love, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. It, you, you know what? They this is actually brilliant. They turned vigilanteism into a job. <laughs> That's right. Right. You oh, know. No, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. We're gonna show up at nine. I gotta punch Ugh. my punch my vigilante. I'd clock. rather be a farmer. So it's the solution then, right? To vigilanteism is just find them all and offer them low paying jobs. They're, yeah. I'm not even gonna do it for free now. Yeah. Because yeah. wasn't there a there? Were, I remember in when I took psychology in uh, college that the if you pay somebody to do something they like, like even kids watching TV, right? Yeah. People, parents were complaining their kids were watching too much TV back then. They started to pay kids to watch TV, and the kids were like, oh, do I have to keep watching TV now? Yeah. And they would watch way less yeah. because uh, it became a job. is when you do show up for work and you uh, punch your vigilante clock, you literally punch it. That's how right. you get punch in and punch yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like, there's a victim tied to the wall, you know, that you're supposed to torture, and you punch it. And he goes, ow! And somebody goes, oh, you got in here at seven. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, many former gang members, they said, were allowed to join the police force and committed drug-related crimes while in uniform. Mm. Yeah. Before long, the former vigilantes and former narcos were fighting both against each other and among themselves. Oh, so the narcos joined the police to get away from the vigilantes. The vigilantes joined the police to get, like, you know, folded into the official authority. Right. Yeah. And then they found former uh, people fighting against each other were now in the same unit, and so they would, like, fight within the unit. Uh-huh. That is a recipe for disaster. The tensions boiled over when rural police groups led by two of the founders of the Air Defenses clashed in a gun battle, leaving 11 people dead. In February, government forces arrested Latuta. But with the vigilantes gone, mm-hmm. little appears to have changed in Michoacan, mm-hmm. even with the government's increased police presence. According to federal homicide figures, more than 1,100 people were murdered in the state between January and June of 2015. Wow. So this year will most likely wind up being more violent than the year prior. Mm -hmm. That is so many deaths. Most observers say the area is now controlled by the Jalisco New Generation Cartel. In recent months, the gang based in the neighboring state of Jalisco shot down an army helicopter and killed 15 federal police officers. Oh, wow. (laughs) It it really is Mad Max. Like, uh, you, <laughs> you know, they, you set out there in the interceptor and then they, like, set up a roadblock and, like, you know, he was like a bazooka or something. Or something. March 2013, Manchester, England. That's where the Manchests come from. Ooh, a Manchester. Oh! Boobs. <laughs> Isn't that, isn't that when you... That's Womanchester. Oh, yeah. yeah Manchester is when you have to take the boobs off. I got it. Uh, Roger Hayhurst, who also goes by the name Night Warrior, as in K. Oh, okay. Can they get warrior? Can they get warrior? Hit the headlines in 2011 after it emerged that he patrolled the streets near his home in Swinton, Greater Manchester, breaking up fights and tackling antisocial behavior. Okay. Mr. Hayhurst vowed to get crime off the streets. Yes. And even hoped to become the first elected mayor of Salford before a lack of funding scuppered his political ambitions. Oh, scuppered. Mr. This is obviously written by an English person. <laughs> Mr. Hayhurst, 20 years old, who used a custom-made blue and black Lycra costume that cost him 200 English pounds. Oh, is that a quid? Is, it it a, doesn't quid? is weigh, a pound the same as a quid? It doesn't weigh 200 pounds. Right. It, it but that would be hard. Pounds. That would be difficult. That would be a suit of armor. Cost 200 pounds, which his mother helped him buy from a U.S. firm and was later joined by his 18-year-old fiance Rebecca, oh. who met him after hearing of his bravery. A Ooh, a, a groupie sidekick. Groupie turned sidekick. Right. Turned fiance. She goes by the name Knigget Maiden. Knigget Maiden. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Night Warrior and Night Maiden. Mr. Hayhurst, a gardener by trade, has now scaled back his crime fighting after being attacked while on patrol. Uh-oh. He told the Manchester Evening News, we were recognized when we were walking through Clifton and some lads started punching me. <laughs> what? Why do you think they were recognized? They were just trying to punch in for work. <laughs> they were wearing their costumes. Yeah. My face is all swollen. After that, I still dress up and occasionally patrol, but I mainly dress up for charity appearances. Okay. Rebecca has gotten rid of her costume entirely now. Do you just fully openly admit that you're a bad person when you jump a costumed hero <laughs> and beat him up? Like when you're walking down the street and you see a guy in a superhero outfit and all he said is, I'm going to stop crime, and he stops antisocial behavior, and but you're like, get that Not guy. in my crimey backyard. Yeah. We do have a picture of this guy. And uh, you will put that on oh, causticsodapodcast.com. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a bad costume. Yeah, it's not a great know. costume either, but yeah, it's uh, it's recognizable. It's not worth 500. How many? 200 pounds is like 400, $400 Canadian, yeah, more or less. 500, yeah. Yeah, yeah so unless it's got like a Kevlar underneath it or something. <laughs> it does not appear to be so. Yeah. Uh, his mother, 61 years old, admitted that she sometimes worried when he was out on the streets, but the police keep an eye on him. Right. Uh, she added, he is one of the kindest dude, dude young in the men voice. I know. Dude in the 61-year-old Manchester oh. voice. The police keep an eye on him. <laughs> He's one of the kindest young men I know. <laughs> My son is one of the kindest men I know. Yeah. That's a high compliment. That is a high compliment. When your mom mother. says yeah. you're a good person. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, the couple hosts a local radio show. Mr. Hayhurst hopes to emulate his hero Superman by becoming a journalist. Oh, Sure. That's not okay. from not becoming the son of Krypton. No. August 2012, Perth. Perth. He's the wheel-clamped crusader armed wow. with an angle grinder and coming to the rescue of illegally parked motorists in Perth. Oh. Oh, now I got to see a picture of this guy. Here we go. Right. This will also be up on causticsodapodcast.com. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, right? this is just... The rainbow socks this are... Is, this is just kind of like a fetish thing now, isn't it? <laughs> Wearing a green Lycra suit, a bright red cape, and colored socks. Rainbow. Colored, rainbow rainbow stripy socks, yeah. yeah. And well, they, don't forget the They're Speedo, great. the black Speedo. Yeah. Well, that's just superhero tradition to have yeah. the Speedo on yeah. the outside of your costume. The vehicle vigilante swoops to the aid of stranded drivers who fall prey to parking inspectors. Oh, the evil parking inspectors. Yes. He hacks open wheel clamps with a battery-powered angle grinder, leaving motorists free to drive off and avoid a $135 release fee. What is the value of a wheel clamp? I'll bet you it's more than $135. Here's my question. Because these people are wrongdoers. Yeah. Right? They have parked illegally. Well, we haven't heard his side of the story yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. Because it seems like he might be the supervillain in this equation. <laughs> well, like, yeah. Taking money away from the from the taxes, the city taxes. Yes, yeah. exactly. He Taking- doesn't... All those funds were supposed to go to schools and libraries. Well, he does it all for free, asking only for a donation, which goes to the homeless. Okay. Uh-huh. He claims. Yeah. I well, added that. It just turns out that he happens to be homeless. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you go. Right. That's why he wears this outfit. He, he found it in the trash. Yeah. And, yeah, and an angle grinder. Yeah. I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> While Wheel Clamp Man is a hero to motorists, police say he is a menace and want the public to dob him in. Ooh, dob I him in. Dob him in. That's it. I guess so. Yeah. That's a word I'd... I guess with. there's an Aussie slang I didn't know. Uh, and when I was in Scouts, you go dib, 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 dib dub, 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 dub. That was the Cub Scouts. Cub what? Scouts, yep. What? Cub Scouts, dib, 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 dub, dub, dub. It's part of their chant. It's yeah. weird. Uh, okay. Dob sounds for do our best. Does it really? Oh. Dib is do your best, D-Y-B. 
Dob is do our best. Dib, 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 dob, dob, dob. He's committing the offense of criminal damage, and if people have any info, they should contact Crime Stoppers, and we will deal with him, a police spokesman said. Oh, ironically, they call Crime Stoppers for a guy who's unstopping cars. He began his mission after experiencing the frustration of having his own car clamped. Right. I'm taking an ethical stance, he said. Yeah. I'm helping people out. Ethical? Eh. Ethical? Eh. I don't feel I'm damaging property. The amount of money these companies make off innocent people is insane. But Where does that innocent. money go? I know. Not into car parks or safer streets. It goes into their pocket. Imagine you're an old lady. You don't see the signs. You go to get your groceries and come very, back and you've very, been clamped. This is a very specific example. <laughs> I know. Uh-huh. I got clamped myself. I went to a car park, pulled in, couldn't see any signs, and I must have walked less than 100 meters and I was clamped. Clamp. It was a con because they were watching. That, that, that doesn't make, make a con. Sense. That's not a con. <laughs> that's not a con. It's not when a people are watching for people to do illegal things, that's the opposite of a con. Yeah. That's a cop. The Cape Crusader said he had sawn off several clamps across Perth in the past fortnight, and he vowed sparks from his grinder would continue to fly as he fought the greedy councils and wheel clampers. Uh-huh. When he spots a clamped car, he dons his costume and mask and asks if drivers want the device removed. Right. Depending on the clamp, it takes less than a minute. That's when my heart starts racing because you never know when a police patrol is around the corner. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, that's right. right. Superheroes totally worry about the police patrol around yes. the corner, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Wheel Clamp Man said his superhero persona was modeled on England's Angle Grinder Man. Oh, uh, super villain persona. Yeah. Super villain persona. <laughs> uh, another who comes to the aid of wheel clamp victims. I wear the costume because a lot of streets have CCTV. Right. I, I always keep it with me so I can get changed in the car and jump out with my angle grinder. Yeah, because he lives in his car. That's he's a homeless person. Uh, yeah, no, he's. I like how he calls wheel clamp people victims. Wheel clamp victims. In a way, they are. They're not victims. They perpetrated a crime. <laughs> They're victims of justice. Oh, okay, of course. Yes. 2013. Uh huh. Bradford, UK. Bradford Uck. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to our researcher, Derek W., for this one. And Superfan. Mm hmm. In one of the more bizarre crime-fighting acts of recent history, a man dressed as Batman has mm-hmm. delivered a wanted man to the hands of British police. Oh. The Cape Crusader strode into a police station in Bradford, northern England, in the right. early hours. He was wearing Batman's signature mask and cape. Right. Did not have quite as impressive a physique. The pot-bellied crime fighter was, in fact, bringing in a 27-year-old man subsequently charged with handling stolen goods and fraud offenses. Okay. In Bradford, just as it has always been in Gotham City, the identity of the superhero remains unknown. Right, okay. He's reported to have said, I've got this one for you. <laughs> there was no sign of any sidekick, and it is not known that the disguised vigilante retreated to the village of Gotham in nearby Nottinghamshire. <laughs> That's wow. not true, is it? It's a real place. Population 1,600. Okay, all right. So you just have to interview 1,600 people. Yeah, there you go. There you you got go. The, uh, you'll find them. <laughs> but the story inspired normally sober BBC reporters at the scene, with one saying it was... Probably the most exciting thing ever to happen here. Oh, wow. That is really sad. Yeah, that's not that saying is much. really sad. It is thought the superhero knew the man he apprehended since there has been no public appeal to find the offender. Right. Police say they cannot comment further, but at this stage they have confirmed they do not know Batman's true identity. Right. Local joke shop owner Catherine Sutcliffe says she believes she met the man in question. He was very specific about what he wanted. <laughs> he wanted a gray Batman outfit. <laughs> Come up. That's probably a dead giveaway. Uh, and his name was Christian Bale. I've got his visa receipt right here. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. The whole event was captured on CCTV. It is not the first time Batman has been caught in action. Last year, a U.S. police officer pulled over the mask crusader for traveling in a car with a Batman number plates. 
Like a personalized plate that wasn't an official I, plate. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Got it. Pop culture? All right. I watched a movie called The Exterminator. Ooh! Ooh you found right? that. It wasn't a bad movie, actually. It was it was entertaining enough. The thing I liked the most, though, yeah. was that the picture on the poster, the person on the poster, uh-huh. was not the person who played the role in the movie. <laughs> the poster for The Exterminator has yeah. a guy with like a giant machine, or flamethrower, sorry, a guy with a flamethrower, and oh. he's super buff, and right. he's wearing black leather, and, and a motorcycle and a helmet. motorcycle helmet. Like he's got like kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger esque arms, and he is oiled up like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then this person is never in the movie. <laughs> the person who's in the movie is actually kind of doughy, right? Like he's just kind of this like uh, you know really sort of uh, like um, schmucky looking guy. Who you sort of like don't really expect uh, to be. He looks a bit like Rowdy Roddy Piper, or at least he's got his hair. Yeah, but he's like he's kind of he's a little jowly, right? Yeah. He's like he's a fine actor. He did a good job. Okay, but he's not the guy on the poster. Okay, sure. at all. Sure, right? Like you see the the picture on the poster, and then you're like, oh, where's that guy going to show up? <laughs> right? And he never does. He never does. <laughs> Too bad. But it's not a bad vigilante movie. So his be- he's he's a nom. And uh, his best friend saves him from being tortured and having being decapitated by uh, the Viet Cong. And uh, they get back and they're, they just work like in a beer warehouse. Oh. And they get kind of roughed up by some local toughs. But oh. then because they're badasses, they kick the shit out of them, right? So then they follow his friend back home. And then when he leaves his family, they, mm. uh, they attack him. And make him a quadriplegic. He's got to like you know stand life support. This for is, the rest this of his is life. his buddy. This is Exterminator's buddy. This is Exterminator's buddy. Okay. Right? Mm. So then he loses it. Sure. Right. You know, and decides he's going to take these guys out, and he does, and he, he he ties them up in a basement, and so they get their faces eaten by rats. Oh. Because he just like handcuffed them right. to a post. Yeah. This is the rat. This is the notorious rat basement. Yeah. The no- no- notorious rat basement. And I sort of thought to myself, did rats just automatically eat people's faces when you tie them to a pole in a basement? Because that's exactly there. what he did. He knocked them out, tied them to a pole, and then the cops showed up and like their faces were eaten half off by the time we got here. Right. And I'm like, he didn't even smear any like meat on them or anything. No. You know, he splinters off and decides he's going to like you know take justice everywhere. And the big twist is, and he's like you know taking care of all these like you know yep. sort of loosely associated like bad guys. This movie was from the seventies or eighties. Nineteen eighty, even I think. So okay. shot in the seventies, right? Right. They just randomly like, oh, here's a bad guy, and he kills him. And then, oh, here's a bad guy, and then he kills yep. him. He just like, yeah. he just is finding out about bad guys. Like every time he takes two steps, somebody says, "Well, that person's doing something wrong. Somebody should take care of that." And he like goes take care of it. But the uh, my favorite part was was when he decided that his best friend should no longer live as a disabled person. Oh, and he whoa. went back to the hospital and oh. murdered his best oh. friend. Oh my god. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So that was well. He awesome. is the exterminator. Yeah. Yeah. It went, it went. I was like, oh, you know what? I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> that was that was a big twist. That was a twist I wasn't expecting. So I I actually give the exterminator a, a pretty good mark. I'm like, okay. you wow. know what? Go and check it out. It's it's worth watching. Uh, I finally watched the original Death Wish. Mm-hmm. Starring Charles Bronson. Yes. Now I understand this is probably one of the, this is the movie, the vigilante movie that probably started off all the other vigilante movies. There, were, there were five death wishes, I believe. Yeah, this was the first I watched. It never was kind of movie that I wanted to watch. Yeah. Uh, a New York City architect becomes a one man vigilante squad after his wife is murdered by street punks, in which he randomly goes out and kills would be muggers on the mean streets after dark. One of those street punks being a young lanky Jeff Goldblum. 
Yeah. He was one of the street punks. Yes. yes. He was one of the three that entered into their uh, apartment and killed the wife and raped uh, the daughter. Raped the daughter. Yeah, of course. Oh, and total note about Charles Bronson. He was like 52 or 53 when they filmed this. Yeah. And the first scene is him and his, his wife on vacation on some beautiful tropical beach. Yeah. Dude's in a Speedo. He looks fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like he is buff as hell yeah. at 53. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, his face looks like hamburger, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but Charles but, Bronson. Charles but, Bronson's yeah. face looked like hamburger when he was like 12, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> As soon as he, and and it actually had some neat stuff about how he doesn't believe in violence and mm-hmm. like there were a few people making fun of him for that yep. and then everything goes wrong and he decides to take it out on criminals. yeah well the the, the big the, like it's the big character shift right yeah, and that, yeah. you, you know it's he's against all of these things until it happened to him personally right right right, right. and so it's like you know a, a cautionary tale you know uh, you know nobody well, everybody at their heart is a vigilante just waiting to get released <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's what it felt it felt like people who, who are pro-vigilante going yeah you people would you'd turn if you ever had to you don't know like we do and I, yeah. I watched it going no I totally would not all I'm seeing is a man who's kind of lost his mind and just going out and murdering people like his response to although he never it's always ostensibly in self-defense yeah, like he goes out looking for people to attack him, to mug him, or whatever. For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes himself a target, even though he's fucking Charles Bronson, and yeah, half the time I'm thinking like, wouldn't there like a lady around the corner that <laughs> yeah, these fucks can attack yeah. or something? Yeah. Somebody but, easier, than, yeah. not, instead of some like not dude some, with like twenty dollars bills hanging out of yeah. his pocket. Yeah, not some giant buff dude. Uh, there was a there was a scarcity of guns in this movie as well. I'm not sure what the guns laws were back in the 1970s, but like I don't think it was that easy to get guns in America yeah. before like you know before the NRA decided yeah. before this movie showed up and they're like, see, you need guns to protect yeah. yourself from the criminals with all those knives. This Maybe. and the warriors, right? You know, but, we oh, need to protect ourselves from gangs dressed up like baseball players. Yeah. But it was like the Bernard Getz thing where people were like, hey, give me some money, and he could have no. just like pulled his gun out and gone, no. Yeah. And they would be like, oh, fuck, man. But he would go, blam, blam, and then they'd go, ah, and run away, and he'd shoot him in the back, and then yeah. walk up and execute him. Yeah. I'm like, not every crime should have death as the punishment, no matter how angry you are. Yeah. Like, yeah. couldn't he just hold it on him and go, You're un- I'm making a citizen's arrest, but this is, calling the cops? This was one of the things that I kind of liked about this movie, uh, was that- Zero tolerance. No, that he's an anti-hero, right? Like, I mean, they don't present him as a particularly um, sympathetic character. They just kind of, like, put him out there as this deeply wounded, mm-hmm. kind of damaged, yeah. like- m- you know, mass murderer. Yeah, but I felt that 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 wounding was a see anybody can do this, and that right. makes it okay. Like I felt like it was an excuse, okay. right? I mean, as opposed to like definitely from my perspective as a person who's against just going out and murdering people, I thought what is wrong with this guy. But I felt that the way that the movie was portraying him was very sympathetic. All right, I mean, I I sort of like I saw it slightly differently, you know, okay. in that they, movies in the seventies were allowed to do things that you can't really do in like studio movies today, right? And which such is, as. Which is, you know, set up your character as not particularly sympathetic, (laughs) but like, you know, exacting justice wherever he saw fit, right? So I thought it was, I always thought it was a very interesting film. It was interesting also in that he never found the people who Who actually did the actual crime. Yeah. 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 Although I think that might be the second one, maybe. I haven't seen Death Wish 2 or 3 or 4 or 5. Yeah. I haven't seen any of the Death Wishes either. Because there were bits of reasonable arguments against him in there, but yeah. I felt like yeah. they were just thrown in there so that he could go and murder people anyway, and, and shoot and shoot those people, yeah, yeah, shoot those exactly. people who have objections. It was kind of interesting, uh, and a bit of a spoiler alert here, uh, because towards the end, the cops ended up finding out who he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
and not arresting him. Right. Yeah, Although yeah. some of the cops wanted to and other cops were like, no, we're not going to. Yeah, yeah. one of the, the high-up detectives yeah. like, warned him that they were after him. They just had to wait 10 years. Bernard Getz was like, you know, I, he took his uh, cue from that movie maybe. I'm probably oh, sure. never arrest me. I, he must have seen that movie. I'm sure. Surely. Mm-hmm. Well, look, well, we got to talk about The Punisher. He okay. is kind of the ultimate vigilante, isn't he? I mean, yeah. you know, like, like from a pop culture perspective, one, yeah. like nobody's ha- – maybe there are more death wishes than Punisher movies, but <laughs> just barely. Right. So there have been three Punisher movies. Yeah. There is the the one from the 90s. With Dolph with Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Then there's the Punisher with Thomas Jane from yep. 2004. Then there was Punisher War Zone with, with Ray, Ray Stevenson, Stevenson, which is atrocious. <laughs> and then there's a short film from 2012, which was an independent film uh, where Thomas Jane reprised his role. And it's just about him doing his laundry. It's called Punisher Dirty Laundry. Yeah, so it's, it's a 10 joke. minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. I watched the Thomas Jane one recently and it was. Is it, it's the best of all of them. Okay. <laughs> it is the best Punisher movie yet made. They kill Travolta by dragging him behind a limo and lighting him on fire. That's true. Yeah, John Travolta as the, the bad, bad guy. guy. Um, mm-hmm. They had very cartoony villains. Like the assassins that that were hired to kill the Punisher, like one of but, them serenades him. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> Less or more cartoony than everybody in all the other Punisher movies. I don't know. The least cartoony. <laughs> okay. The Thomas Jane one is the least cartoony of them all. And then the other, the big buff muscly guy in the striped shirt but, who yeah, just the, comes in and starts punching the Russian, punching mm-hmm. walls. Yeah, he's an actual like character from the comic books. Though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's actually the cartoony and over the top bad guys is common throughout all of these movies, it seems. Yeah. Because uh, so Torn gave us a huge list of movies to possibly watch, and every one of them you gave us the trailer to watch. And yeah. I watched them, and every one of them had ridiculous depictions of bad guys and it was obviously done so that your murderous good guy would seem good in comparison that it was reasonable (laughs) what he was doing I am very much looking forward to season two of the Netflix Daredevil series because that is going to feature the Punisher heavily and the Punisher is originally from the Daredevil series and he's kind of a perfect counterpoint to the Daredevil vigilante who will not kill people versus the the a vigilante patrolling the same streets who has no problem killing people. Yes, yeah. So I'm quite looking forward to that storyline because that in yeah. the Daredevil comics is where I was first introduced to the Punisher, and I like that he's yeah. a the sort of the flip side to the same coin. Yeah, yeah. That, and and now that now that you bring that up, that's absolutely my favorite vigilante show is that that Netflix Daredevil. It's really good. It's fantastic. He it, it like he doesn't go over the top, right? Yep. He makes sure he's right. He doesn't hurt innocent people. Yep. He doesn't use guns. There's no murdering. And the action sequences are quite good. Fantastic. The story's great. The acting's very good. Yeah. There, yeah. There's there's one action sequence that takes place in a hallway oh. where the camera doesn't actually move out of the hallway yep. and yet it goes it goes into the rooms on the sides yeah. and like, you know, what is isn't revealed is, you know, maybe even some of the best stuff. It's yeah. very cleverly shot. One single Shot looks, and I'm not even a Daredevil fan. I don't yeah. read the comics. Whenever he'd show up in other superhero comics, I'd be like, what's this guy's powers? Big deal. And yeah. then that show convinced me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing about that show is that in all the scenes that Rosario Dawson is in, it yep. makes you realize that she is so much better at acting than everybody else <laughs> in that show. You go, oh, yeah, everybody else here is good, but she is really good. And so it kind of makes, when she's in a scene, you're kind of like, oh, these people aren't that good. <laughs> that's my only that's my only like knockdown but you know what oh no this show has a really great actor in it also the uh lady secretary yes can't remember her name the secretary at their you know the blonde white one firm yeah. yeah 
She is a big D&D fan. Really? Yeah, I saw that she played D&D with the cast members. She yeah. Got Deborah Ann Wall. That is her name. There huh. you go. She was wow. uh she was in that cheesy vampire uh TV show. Oh, um Blood. Vampire Diaries? True Blood. True Blood. There you go. Yeah. Uh, blood, blood. Does it make your heart a flutter toward? Well, I think we should have her on the show and have a special D&D episode. Right. I would love to have her on the show. <laughs> it's such a weird feeling to know you're alive It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside and when you wake up Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being eaten to death by zombie crows and seagulls. To comment on episodes and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Support us at patreon.com slash causticsoda. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. I'm Adam Pateman. Thank you for listening.